Manifested Glory Worship Center. Kingdom focused, kingdom minded, kingdom living. This is the Rhema Talk Podcast, and you're listening to Pastor Damon C. Johnson, founder and senior pastor of Manifested Glory Worship Center. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Bible Study. We are so excited to have part three of our teaching of the end times. We are excited tonight to cover, to cover chapter three of the book of Revelation, and we, um, you know, this format that we have is something that, uh, you know, the feedback I've been receiving from our partners is that it's been engaging, and so we're really excited about that, and excited that you are learning, and that you are growing, and that you are doing, uh, 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 you're sharing this with your friends, so we're going to ask that you, you know, if you want to host a, a watch party tonight, please do so, um, and I'm now going to turn it over to Deaconess Katrina, and she will uh, lead us in this conversation, Deaconess Katrina. Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you once again for joining us. Remember, as we're going through tonight's Bible study, if you have any thoughts or comments or questions, please put them in the chat. We want to hear from you. We want to get your questions answered. There is no silly question or no stupid question. So whatever you're, you're thinking, you're wondering, please put it in the chat, and we will get to it. Deaconess, can, Elder John, can you explain to the to the people of God about how they need to set up their watch parties so they can ask live questions? Sure, sure thing, sure thing. So listen, we want to encourage everybody to share, 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 share. Don't hold this back. A lot of folks got questions about the book of Revelations. So if you want revelations on the book of Revelations, share, 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 tune in. Now, what we want you to do is when you share, because automatically the option automatically does the share um, comments, I need you to just hit the button that says live comments so that your comments, when you type a comment in, it goes to the, the, uh, to the main so that we'll a we're able to see it. Because if you don't do that, we're not able to see those comments. So we want to be able to answer your questions and answer your comments, but we can't do that if you don't just hit that swipe, just hit live comments right there. That's all you got to do. So share, 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 share. Awesome. Thank you. Deaconess? Okay, we are picking up in Revelations chapter 3, where we are continuing to cover the church, the seven churches. In verse 1 reads, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Let's pause there, Deaconess. Thank you. Elder John, could you just speak to the seven spirits of God so we can have some clarity on that? Sure, sure. So the, um, you're going to see this mentioned a couple of times. So first, first thing I would like to mention is that in, re remember, in Revelations 2 and Revelation 3, um, every time uh, John or Jesus explains about a particular church, he uses, he, he pulls from something that is pictured in Revelations 1, right? So we saw the eyes like fire, and then we saw that in the last church, I believe it was. And now he talks about this same thing, and he says, uh, right, so we, it says, this is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. The interesting thing about that, because we find out at the end of Revelations 1 that the seven, the seven stars represent the seven angels or seven messengers or seven pastors, heads of those churches. But here is the only time where he does not um, quote verbatim, right, from that reference. 
So he uses a different term because there he says the can seven candlesticks and the seven stars. Am I right, Pastor? Exactly. Now the seven. Now here he actually says the sevenfold spirits of God or the seven characteristics of God. So in order to find this out, and we probably, if I, I was excited about maybe sharing this when we get to chapter four, but let's just go ahead and jump there real quick. If you can pull up Revelations chapter four. Actually, I might have to <laughs> help myself. Sorry, I didn't copy the scripture. Revelations chapter four. And we're going to be reading verse five. You see, Pastor, I'm using pages. <laughs> I got mine handy just in case my iPad breaks down. There you I go. got my book right here. <laughs> All right. And it says, and out of in Revelations chapter 4, verse 5, it says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So he repeats this again. And we're going to jump over to chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 6. Verse 6 says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now, here's the answer. Verse 12, saying with a loud, well, let me read verse 11 so you get context. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive, count them, power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. These are the seven characteristics of God that you see throughout the scripture. And we see a lot of these things manifest, whether it was the spirit of strength in Samson, the spirit of wisdom in Solomon. These are the seven, the spirit of riches in um, Abraham. These are the seven characteristics that we see surrounding God all the time. Awesome. Thank you, Elder John, for that clarity on what is uh, God referring to, the seven spirits of God and the seven stars we know are the angels or the pastors. This, but this, the latter part of verse 1 is what I want to get to now. It says, I know your works. Listen to what he says, that you have a name that is alive, but you are dead. So this church... Everybody think they got it going on, but God says they're a dead church. Come on. Now talk about, let's think about this for a moment. When a person dies, their spirit leaves them. So this is a church with no spirit. Come on. It still has a body because people are gathering there. But they have, the spirit is no longer theirs. That's why God says they're dead. Okay? Now, 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 now I know that, that we can have... Here's the funny thing. People are still having church without the Spirit of God. Come on. They're having church without the Spirit. And people will say, oh, you've been to so-and-so church. Man, that church got it going on. They shout and dance the whole time. God says they're dead. They're dead. Mm. Because it's not the Spirit there. A lot of times what we're seeing is flesh manifesting the church. Emotional flesh and no spirit. The, the, the thing that was intriguing about this is that the, the, this church has lost pure worship. They have lifeless worship taking place. And notice that the, the Lord didn't rebuke them for sexual immorality. He didn't rebuke them for idol worship. He wow. rebuked them because there's no spirit there. Wow. Wow. He, 
for, for formality. They, they, they're being, you know what I'm saying? And so, and so we, have to, we have to be careful, people of God, that we're having church without God. That we're having church without his spirit. We, the, the whole, again, understand that Holy Spirit is the God in the earth right now. Think about that. God walked with Adam. That means God the Father was with Adam. Then Jesus walked the earth. Now we have Holy Spirit. All three parts of the Godhead walked in the earth. Wow. Okay. And now we have Holy Spirit who is our comfort. He's, he's a God in the earth and people are having church without him. And so we have to be careful about that, Elder John. Yeah, I don't know if you had to add, because I, I want to get to the next verse, but I want you to please add something there if you need to. <laughs> um, look, let me. <laughs> go ahead. No, go, so, go, so, so look, just some, his, some historic background on this, this area called Sardis, right, is that Sardis was, a, uh, was actually in, in a, uh, a country called Lydia, right? Mm -hmm. um, and which is where it's, which is currently modern-day Turkey. Now, the funny thing about this particular church is that they were a very historic city. They had a lot of history. I'm sorry, my keeps on jumping. Um, they were a very historic city. And this is the actual home of the Temple of Artemis, which, was, which we talked about last week where Antipas was killed. Mm -hmm. So when they dragged him from there, they took him to the Temple of Art Artemis, right, where they worshipped Diana. Okay, and he was he was murdered there, or he was martyred there. Um, uh, now they had an Acropolis and they had a Necropolis. Now an Acropolis was a high citadel; it was a large high citadel, um, and a Decropolis was a large cemetery. So one of the references is they they had these this glorious citadel and people when you came out your door you could literally see this huge citadel this huge glorious citadel and then you could see this this graveyard so that's this dead church you look like you're alive but you're dead wow wow Deacon, let's get to verse 2 cuz this thing got me excited already <laughs> this is verse 1 <laughs> in verse 2 reads wake up strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Okay. Let's, let, let's look what it says here. Uh, I'm going to read it from the New King James, right? Look what it says in the New King. It says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are already dead. For I have found your works. Look, I have found not. I have found not works perfect before God. In other words, think about this. This church not only don't have no spirit, they have no works. He said, I found no works. Can you imagine? So, so, so this church is nothing but a social club. They only gather to meet socially. Wow. They ain't doing no work. And they, the spirit ain't there. So it's a networking spot. That's all it is. You know, I go to so-and-so church because... You know, I can network there. I, I can promote my business and promote my organization that I'm attached to in this church. And that's what it has become. Wow. He says, not only don't you have any spirit, you don't have no works. And this church is, in my opinion, reminiscent of what we see in Ezekiel. Let's look at Ezekiel 37, verse 11. This is the picture of Israel. Let me get that with you. Ezekiel 37, verse 11. 
Look what it says. He says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. So this was a picture of Israel being in the same thing. Dry bones mean they're dead. And so we see that this church is mirroring uh, Israel in the sense of that they have lost the, what they did have at one point. Um, and they've lost not only their works, but they've lost their spirit. I don't know if you need to add to no, you, that. No, you, 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 you got that one. All right, good. <laughs> uh, let's go to verse 3, Deaconess. We're in verse 3. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, please put it in the chat and we will get to it um, at the end of this chapter. Verse 3 reads, go back to what you heard and believed at first sight. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Wow. Now, now let's look at this because he's encouraging them to remember how the church first heard. Not listen, how they first heard the word and responded to the message of Christ. He says, so I need you to get back to remember how you were when you first heard in your first response to this word about the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Yes. He says, now I need to get back to that place because that's your only hope. Mm. If you don't get back there, then, that, 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 then you're done. Wow. He said, if you don't do it, look what he says, I'm coming like a thief. The thing that got me about that is, and El John and I, we, we, we talked about this. See, a thief is different than a robber. A robber going to come stand right in your face and, and pull the gun to you and say, give me what you got, right? But a thief, you don't know he's there. Mm -hmm. You don't realize the thief has been there until he's already gone. Yep. And you notice what you had is no longer there, right? And notice whenever Jesus said, I'm coming to you as a thief, that's how he comes to nonbelievers. Wow. So then he's going to come to this church like he comes to nonbelievers that we produced to you, 1 Thessalonians 5.2. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 says this. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. He's going to come like a thief. When, when, so what was going to happen when, when Christ comes to get his bride, everybody, people going to be living their days and doing whatever they want to do. Because look, look at verse 3 of this. It says, for when they say, peace and safety. Then suddenly destruction comes upon them wow. as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, mm. and they shall not escape. And so we have to understand that when Christ comes, he's coming, and he's going to just snatch away his bride. Everybody's going to be partying like, wait a minute, what happened to us so-and-so? The movie Left Behind, we've been talking about that. <laughs> you want to be a part of that. Elder John, you want to expand on verse 3? Or? Yeah, Pastor, you know what I find, I find interesting about this scripture is that you know, to this church, he says, you need to go back to, he said, go back to what you first believed. And I, and I think that goes to, like you said, that go back to your doctrine, to the first doctrine, the, 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 the word that came that changed your life. Mm -hmm. Go back to that. Uh, because I, my mind immediately went back to, the, I believe it was the church in Ephesus. He says, go back to your first love. Mm -hmm. See, he said, they, he said, they were to go back to their first love because they, they were working so much, they forgot the love, the love mm -hmm. part. He said, y'all ain't got no love. He said, y'all ain't, ain't got no word, no, nothing. nothing. And one of the other things, and I think from a historic standpoint, 
that I love about this scripture, especially talking about the thief in the night. If you, if, if you study the, the town of Sardis, they had uh, historically, they had um, never lost a war by conventional means. Mm -hmm. Two times, two times they lost, but it was because their soldiers were not watching. Their soldiers that were at the door were not paying attention. So one of the things he's saying, he says, listen, because there's another scripture, I, 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 it's on the tip of my head, but it says, he says, he said, watch, watch, like, like be watchmen at the gate. He said, because if you're not watching, he says, surely I'll come like a thief in the night. Yep. Yep. So, so they fell because they weren't watching, they weren't paying attention. Mm -hmm. Wasn't paying attention. And listen, they wasn't paying attention, they had no spirit, they had no works. And this is a church. Pastor, I don't see him say anything. Well, well hold on. No, wait. We didn't get there yet. Um, I was about to say, it's hardly anything good about him. Like, he normally start off with something good. Right. He normally, you're right. <laughs> Typically, in all the churches we've discussed so far, he said, look, I see your works. I see you. I see you. You know, you're doing this. You're doing that. He comes right out the gate. He says, look. I, he says, I, hold up. Look what he says here in verse 1 again. He says, I know your works. And in, in other words, your works is none. He didn't say, look, you guys are doing a good job. You're just, you're just falling off right here. This church ain't doing nothing right. All right. Let's keep going, Deacon. Okay. Verse 4. Verse four. <laughs> Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All right. Let's pause here for a moment. One of the things, the research I did about this church is that and I love the way the Lord always gives them something they can connect with, right? Whenever he speaks to a church, whenever he, even during Jesus' ministry, he was in the earth, he would use parables. And he would speak to things that people in that time could relate to. He would use a spirit, uh, he would use a natural thing to describe and explain a spiritual thing. So here when he says to this church that they have not, um, there's a, uh, a few of them that have not defiled their garments, um, Sardis was the center of manufacturing and dyeing wool garments. Ooh. This was their, their business. And so they could understand that a, 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 a garment being ruined. Mm -hmm. and, and listen, when it's ruined, it's no longer useful. And so he, he's making a picture and a parallel to what they could relate to. He says, um, he says uh, uh, a few of you um, in Sardis have not defiled their garments, and look, and shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. One thing that I love about, think about this. As a church, they're, they're, they're not doing well. But he's not going to punish the ones that are doing right with the ones that ain't doing right. Mm -hmm. mm. Look what he says. He says, there's a few of you. Which means the majority ain't doing right. But he got a handful of them saying, I'm gonna be, he said, y'all haven't sold your, your garments. He said, and you'll be able to wear, wear white with me. We know white symbolizes righteousness, right? Um, and being in right standing with him. He says, so because you have on white, then you're in right standing. You've been cleansed, you're, you're, you know? And so uh, that was very interesting to me that he used the, uh, the reference of soling their clothes or defiling their clothes when this is what they were very, that was what they were known for. Wow. Need to add anything else, John? No, you All right, let's keep going, Deacon. Verse 5. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. 
I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Okay, so let's, let's look at this real quick. He says, he who overcomes, right? So all throughout these churches, we're seeing that the overcomer, there's a blessing attached to overcoming. And so I want to say that to you all, people of God, we can't quit. We can't give up. We have to be able to overcome whatever obstacles are in our lives because there's a benefit for overcoming. All throughout the scripture, those who overcome, those who are victorious, those are more, you can be more than a conqueror. Like all throughout scripture, we hear about this, right? Now, the unique thing here, he says, I will not blot out his name of the book of life. Now, understand that during this time and throughout the biblical uh, times, they kept records of who all the inhabitants of that city was in a book. Mm -hmm. And if anyone defiled the city, their name was blotted out. If anybody permanently left, their name was blotted out. Mm -hmm. Or if anyone passed away, their name was blotted out. He's saying, if you all overcome, I will not blot out your name. Wow. That means you have, you, you have security for eternity. Your name will always be remembered if you can overcome. And again, so, so this, is, this is in reference to those who are the few, but it's also speaking to the ones who have fallen off that they can still got time. See, grace, grace is threaded all throughout Scripture. You go all the way back to the Old Testament. You go back to Genesis, we see grace. Yeah. We see grace with Adam and Eve. Think about that. God clothed them, right? We see that when he didn't allow them to stay in the garden because if they ate from the tree of life, they would have stayed, remained in that place. So we see grace from Genesis to Revelation. Yes. We see grace. And even when people are in a place like this where they're just having church without God and they're, they have no positive works, he says, if you get it right, I'm still going to embrace you. Wow. Look at our God. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. Pa Pastor, so, <clears throat> all right, so this, because Sardis was one of the largest, if not the largest church mm -hmm. in, in the, in the, out of all the churches, this was probably the largest church there. So, so um, how can we identify, I mean, I know what we're reading. How do we today identify a dead church? Like, help, help, help me. And, and, and then just a question for those that are watching right now. How do you, what, what process do you use to identify, you know, if a church has the Spirit of God in it? Well, number one, um, when, number one, I think that you can identify a dead church when they're going only about their agenda and they don't allow the Spirit of God to flow in the place. Mm. We, have, we have an agenda to keep up. And you, we have 10 minutes for praise and worship, and we have 20 minutes for this. And you better not stand up and say nothing in here because we don't play that here, <laughs> you know. Um, and so you, you, that, that is one indication. Another indication of a dead church is when they don't have any vision. Come on. When a, church, when, when a church has no vision, if we're just gathering just to say we had church, then we find ourselves with no works. You can also determine a dead church when, they, when, when they're, they're, uh, they're afraid to even mention Holy Spirit. 
Mm. There's church. I've been to churches where you better not say the spirit of God, but you know we don't. That's spooky. That's, oh yeah. You know that's uh, we we don't we don't do that here. You know, um, you can also tell a dead church when it only promotes itself and it's not promoting Christ. When everything you talk about is you, what you're doing, and you're self-absorbed as a ministry, and you're never promoting. It, I've been to churches, I'm telling you, I've been in churches where I've never seen an altar call. Mm. I've been in churches where they're not even, see, see, we should be leading people to Christ. And, and if, we're, if, if that's not a part of our agenda, if that's not a part of our daily practice, then that's a dead church. So, Pastor, okay, so people, so it, it says, uh, Jesus says to them, listen, you have a good reputation. Am I reading that right? Right. He says, you are and alive. you have a good reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Like, that means most of us would probably have fallen for the church of Sardis. Yeah, because they, oh man, but you hear the organ? Did you hear the choir? Oh, they bought, listen, did you, did you hear how he tuned up and he modulated three times in his, in his sermon? Come on. I don't know what he was talking about. And, 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 and please, people of God, please, I'm, I'm not making a mockery, nor am I making fun. But if, if you're in a church and you get 35 minutes of cliches and there's no word being delivered, wow. if, 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 if I could get up there and say, and the Lord, and I'm not, and I'm not hating on people who hoop, because I like a good hoop every once in a while, but give me some substance in it. That's right. Give me a word. Don't tune me up when you for, the first three minutes and then you ain't saying nothing but hold on to God's unchanging hand. I know what that means. Or oh, did you just, uh, uh, when praises go up, blessings come down. That's not even in the Bible. You know, so we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get hung up on all of that. And, and then we'll say, what word? Because the Bible says that it's the word of God that, uh, that that's how our faith goes. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I can't grow if I don't have this word. And so, and so if, if it's, and I, I, you know, we are a word church. If we're going to do nothing around here, we're at least going to have the word. And so, and so, and so I, I believe that, that that's how people can get easily um, swayed into the church of Sardis, Elder John, is because they are now not having their spirit fed, but their emotions stirred. So, because I was about to go there, Pastor. I was about to actually. I know we spend a little time on Sardis, but I think we need to spend the most time on this church. Because this is the church that has everybody fooled. Mm. Like you said, you said, he didn't say nothing about uh, idol worship. He didn't say nothing. This is the proud church. This is the church that has all the accomplishments. This yeah. is the church that, you know, has been here for years. For This church been been here, you know, my great-grandmother's grandmama put the stone in this church. And this church can also be the church, even though it doesn't have the spirit. This can also be the church where you see a lot of dancing because people automatically associate the spirit with a dance. Elder John, please don't open that can of worms. Please. Um, please. <laughs> All right. No, I know no, you okay. want this, but no, no, take it, take it. You know, so one of the things, you, you said this on Sunday, Pastor, you were talking about uh, the, the gifts of the spirit and talking about people don't want fruit. And let me, um, the, the, this connects to the, the dead church. Uh, I want you to think of the dead church like a Christmas tree. It looks beautiful, 
gifts all underneath of it. Wow, sir. But it's dead. Wow. Wow. Everybody comes to this. Now, I'm not, please don't take this as I'm saying, don't get a Christmas tree. I'm saying, come on, like, hear the spirit. What I'm saying is that it looks the best. It looks nice. You keep it around. It smells fresh. Gifts all around it, but no life. No life. It's dead. Don't, don't, don't be the dead church that looks like it's alive. Wow. Wow. You, you said something there, Elder John, about um, the dancing. Now, if you got a step in your feet, have a step in your feet. But don't feel like you need to have a step in order to have church. Come on. If you feel like I have not had church unless I dance, and then I got to run to the front of church so everybody can see me dance, mm -hmm. and then I got to have 10 people stand around me and watch me dance, then we're just having a show. And so I want to encourage you to say that if I'm dancing because the Spirit has fell on me, That's right. or, or, or I'm just giving God praise for the things he's done for me, but I don't need, I don't need nobody to videotape me. I don't need to make this a spectacle. This is between me and God. And so when, when we become, when it becomes a performance, then I have to question the, authentic, the authenticity of that, I, of that dance. Can I ask, like, because sometimes, sometimes the emotionalism, and again, we are not anti-emotion, because I believe in a dance. The Bible mm -hmm. says David danced to the oh, point absolutely. where his, his garments, you know, came, um, many of his garments came off. I believe in a dance. I believe in a shout. I believe in the spirit, right? But, I, but let's not get it confused where just because people dance and they run around in the church, that that means the spirit of God is there. It looks like the spirit of God is there, but is there any fruit? See, the difference between a Christmas tree and any other tree is that there's fruit. A tree that is alive is there's fruit. A test of, the, the test of maturity in Christ is not the gifts. Pastor said this on Sunday. It's not the gifts. It's the fruit. It's the fruit. Gifts are given. Mm -hmm. Fruit is grown. Yep. That's good, Elder. And, and, and Deaconess, I want to move on, but let me just say this last thing <laughs> on this verse. <laughs> Elder John says something that, that's sparking this thought for me. Um, oftentimes, we only think that we should praise God and don't ever think we should worship him. Your praise should lead you to a place of worship. Yes. See, we, we praise God for the things he's done, right? And that is the altar, right? That's a place of sacrifice. The, the Bible calls praise and sacrifice. That's the altar. But then if you look at the, old, the, the picture of the old, the old tabernacle, the priest would take a, coal, a hot coal from the altar and go like the altar and say, that's the place of worship. If, if I only stay in a place of praise and never get to a place of worship, it's only about me. Mm-hmm. See, I'm just thanking God for the things he's done. He's blessing my life. But if I could never lay and lay prostrate in front of him just because he's God, if I could never get to the place where I could just lift my hands with, with no agenda, with nothing, I don't want nothing but to honor you. See, that is where we got to get to. That's, the, that's, the, that's beyond the veil. That's the secret place. And, and so that's the place that we need to get the church to. That we can, now, I, listen, even in our church, we are a worship center. So if, we'll, if, if we can't do nothing, we at least learn in these 10 years how to worship God, right? But, and we do praise, but our praise should lead us to a place of worship. After I think of the things he's done and I begin to think about who he is, I just want to lay in front of his presence. 
and not ask him for anything. Just love on him. And that's where I think a lot of times we miss it. If it's only a shout, then where's the worship? Amen, amen. Because once again, we are in Revelation 3. If you have any questions, thoughts, or comments, please put it in the chat. We want to hear from you. We are picking up in verse 7 with the Church of Philadelphia. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. Let's pause here, Deaconess. Thank you. Um, understand that the church of Philadelphia, that we know the church of, of, of Ephesus um, lost their love. Now we have the church of Philadelphia, and, and uh, phileo, it means love, right? And so we have the, 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 the church of Philly. I'm going to call them the church of Philly. And listen how, listen how he says, he says, these things, first of all, he referring to he who is holy, he who is true. And he says, he who has the key of David. And I said, man. But notice the one, he said, the one who has the key of David, first of all, he referring to Christ, talking about to, by Christ, because he who is holy, he who is true. And Christ has the key of David. And listen, he can open Things that no one can close, shut, and he can um, shut things that no one can open. Why? Because he has the keys. Now, the, the reference to this, let's, let's look at Isaiah 22. Isaiah 22, verses 20 through 25. And I, I think I'm going to read from the New Living. I, th I, think, I think I like the way they put that. Look what it says here. Um, it says, and then I will call my servant Eliakim, son of Hilakel, ah, I messed his name up, <laughs> to replace you. He says, look, I will dress him in royal robes and will give him your title and your authority. And he will be a father to the people of Jerusalem and Judah. Listen, and I will give him the key of the house of David, mm. the highest position of the royal court. He will open doors no one will be able to close, and he will close doors that no one will be able to open. That's in Isaiah. Now understand what this is referring to. Eliakim was a faithful servant who managed um, uh, he was a great steward and became a father to the people. Understand that the same thing that Eliakim was uh, to Israel and to Judah, Christ is going to be um, uh, to, he's going to be a father um, and a son of the house of David. And so because of that, he has the keys. Understand keys give you access, right? And understand that um, in, in, in Isaiah, he had the keys to uh, the kingdom, and so does Christ. Christ has the king to the kingdom and to the new Jerusalem. I can open doors and no one can shut, and I can shut doors and no one can open. Elder John talked about this, I believe, last week when we talked about that Christ came and he took the keys, and he conquered hell, death, and the grave, and he was able to set captives free with those keys. But he also, um, and, and so that's for that time, but also during the time of, of Revelation, there will be a new Jerusalem. And Christ has the keys who have access to that place. Who gets in 
and that's what I love about Christ. If if and we dealt with this, we dealt with a whole series on open doors. Understand mm -hmm. that that when Christ opens a door, nobody can shut it. I don't care what they say about you. I don't care who when Christ opens a door. But here's another thing we got to accept: when He shuts a door, nobody can open it. You can sit there and pull it all day. I want to stay in there. He said, nope, that's not for you no more. That season's over. Wow. You can sit there and pull on the door all you want. You can't open it because if he shut it. So that's my two cents. Go ahead, Elvin. Pastor, I, 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 let, me, let me ask you this. Okay, so, so Christ has the keys to hell, death, and the grave. Mm -hmm. He's got the keys of David, right? Mm -hmm. But I find it funny that he gives the kingdom to the kingdom, to the church. I know. I know. Here's the thing about the kingdom, Elder John, and I think this is what I need the church to realize. Everything they're chasing after is already embedded in the kingdom. It's already in the kingdom. Come on. If they will unlock the king, if they will use the kingdom principles, the keys that will unlock all they need, everything that they're chasing is in the kingdom. We know. I mean, if I go teach nothing, I can teach Matthew 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right in all these things. Everything that people are chasing, position, power, money, all those things. He says, I've given you the keys to have access to all those things in my kingdom. We don't use the keys. First of all, because we don't like to use the principles. Wow. That's Here's true. one principle, give and it shall be, shall given, be given unto you. That's the key. Pastor, why do we, uh, no, I'm not going to spell it. I was going to ask you, why, why, do, why do we struggle in that area, and 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 you know, we we could all chat, you know, chat about this one. Like, but why do we struggle with that key? Because we feel like we've earned something, and it's hard to release what we've earned. Hmm. Not realizing that God is our source. So your job is your resource that God uses to to bring resource to you. You, and so we think, and and, and we think that me releasing this seed. And then, of course, we, we, we got to deal with this. Me releasing my seed is going to make the pastor live good. And so people are hesitant and giving money to the church because they think the pastor's driving Rolls Royce with, the, with, with, with your money. And he, here's, here's a harsh reality. Um, just like only 1% of the, uh, 1% of, the uh, of, of the nation's uh, wealthiest people have more wealth than the other 99 you have to look at the church the same way. The average pastor make less than $30,000 a year. Okay? Um, most pastors, I think I think the statistics now are something crazy like 70% of um, the pastors in like 300-some thousand churches in a year in a, in a country are bivocational. Mm -hmm. And because they have to be. Okay? Um, and, and uh, you know, so, so, we, so people are hesitant. They want wealth. But they won't use the key to access wealth. Pastor, if I could add, because a lot of times people, and I know we're going way, but, but, but listen, this is important. And it's got to be for somebody watching. Um, because I always, you know, uh, always talk about, like, see, keys don't open doors. They unlock them. Mm -hmm. You have to push or pull a door, mm -hmm. right? So, so God says, I give you the keys. You got to unlock it, and then you got to move. You got to do something. Mm -hmm. See, there has to be a an action attached to your faith. See, faith without works is dead. There's, right. there's nothing that can take place. You can have keys all day long. You can unlock the door, but if you stand there looking at it, it's not going to more. It's not going to mm -hmm. open for you. Mm -hmm. So, but, I, but, but just to say that God, who has the keys of David, 
He has the keys to hell, death, and the grave. But he loves the church so much that he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the, the kingdom. kingdom. How, a kingdom that I'm the king of. How, how long, when, you, when we were all kids, how long did it take for mom or dad to give you a key to the house? Listen, Elder John, think about this. Not only the keys to the house, the keys to the car. Keys to the I still don't let my kids drive my car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I probably agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because and, and, and because keys are valuable. <coughs> Think about that. You you don't you don't give somebody something that they're gonna be irresponsible with. That's why you have to wait till they get a certain age to give them a key to the house. Let them even drive your car. You know. Um, and when I think about keys, like, and, and I know he's probably watching. I'm going to tease my brother for me. My brother has a key <laughs> ring he wears on his side. You can hear him a mile away because he got all those keys. And I guarantee he probably don't know what had those keys or two. I, I, was, I was guilty of that. I used to, I used to, I used to have a whole lot of keys. <laughs> keys from the house you lived in three, three houses ago. You still got the key. And, 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 and so God says, I'm giving you the keys, but I want you to use them. But Pastor, when he said that, and again, we're going to move on. I know we got to move on. Pastor, he actually said that, he said that to Peter. When Peter, he said, I'm, to you I give the keys to the kingdom. He said that to Peter pre, before Peter walked away and betrayed him. Before Peter cursed him, said, I don't know the man. Meaning, even when we weren't in the best shape with God, when we were in the midst before our transformation, our glorious, glorious transformation. He says, I'm giving the church, even in their trifling moment, I'm giving them the keys to the kingdom. Wow. I'm sorry, I know we got to move on. Amen. No, that was, that, was a, that was a blessing. Yeah, so we are picking up with verse 8. We're going to get through 3. We're going to get through 3. <laughs> I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jewish but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. All right, let's pause here for the deaconess. Let, let's get through this, Elder John. So, so let's look at it. He says, um, he says, you have little strength, yet you obey my word. So think about this. This church is faithful, but they have no power. They have little strength. They're not a powerful church. And, and partly because, you have to understand, it wasn't that they didn't want to be powerful. They've been worn down by this group that had just been harassing them. We see this in the next verse. So there was a group of people, and I think we touched on this a little bit last week with another church. There was a group of false Jews or fake Jews. Mm -hmm. They were proclaiming to be Jews, but they were not. So they were saying, I'm Jewish, but they wasn't following the law. Oh, God. Please don't be messed with that. There, there are a lot of people who are, who are, who are saying they're keeping. I, I know churches right now that are leaving the, their normal mantle and saying we're going to be keeping the Sabbath. And, and, and like churches, like churches, churches that are, that are doing that. And I'm saying you're not keeping the law. Don't say you're going to keep the law if you ain't going to keep it. You're going to keep it, you got to keep all of it. Yep. And so I had a conversation with a pastor who's, who converted his church and uh, he, he, he don't like me no more, and, I, and, and I'm fine with that, but I had to challenge him um, in, 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 his, in his practice. I said, because he tried to challenge me about eating unclean things. Well, you eat crabs. That's unclean. I said, well, you got to consider 
what, what Peter, what, what the Lord said to Peter when he sent down that whole thing. He said, how can you say what I call clean, unclean? You know, um, and so I asked him a question. I said, let me ask you a question. You, you have a wife. Uh, when your wife has her, uh, her cycle, do you allow her to stay in the same bed with you? Because that's, you are now unclean. Do you allow your wife, your wife, you don't go to work with your wife, do you? Can she, is she, does she go to work when she has that moment? Because she's not supposed to be around people. She's considered unclean. You're going to keep the law, but you got to keep all of it. And then he got mad at me. So anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. But, um, <laughs> but these, these, these Jews, these, these fake Jews, they were harassing this church. They just wore them down. And, 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 so, and so God says, I know that you've been dealing with these folks. He said, but you remain faithful. No matter what they've persecuted you, you remain faithful. Amen. You want to touch one of that? No, no. I'm trying to get through three. Okay. All right. <laughs> we are picking up in verse 10. Because you have obeyed my command to preserve, I will protect you from the great times of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry. Can I go back to nine real quick? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Take your time, Pastor. Look, 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 look what it says here now. I just seen it. So, so look what it says. It says, um, I will look. He says, verse nine says, Look, I will this is from the New Living. I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come down and bow at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Mm. This is a church. Let me, let, me, let me show you this. Let me, let me show you this in Scripture. Let's look at Isaiah 60, verse 14. I just need to get this Come one on. verse out. Come on. Isaiah 16, 60, 60, verse 14. Now, remember what we, we just read in, in Revelation, right? They would have to come down to your feet, right? Look what it says here in Isaiah 60. Um, you know what? Let, let me read it from the um, New King James. It says, also the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you. And also those who despise you will have to fall prostrate at your, the soles of your feet. And they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion, the holy city, the holy one of God. Right? So that is Isaiah prophesying. Now look, now let's go back to Revelation. Verse 9, it says, and those, who, they will have to come and worship at your feet. Those who persecuted you will have to come. And so understand that that's, this is what um, uh, uh, Isaiah was prophesying about, is that these folks will come. Now, um, look what he says um, in verse 10, and Dignus already read. He says, I will keep my commands to preserve you, um, uh, and I also will keep you from the hour of the trial that shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell in the earth. Now look, now, look what happened. Because they kept their faithfulness, Christ says, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to keep you in the hour of, of trial. Now, we know that an hour is a, is a span of time, right? It's not an actual 60-minute time frame. Correct. Think about this. Jesus even said, when they try to get Jesus to do stuff, he told his mother, my hour has not yet come. And, and understand that the hour of trial, thank you for taking that, that um, the, hour, the hour of trial will come to the earth. And understand when it talks about the, um, the whole world, it's about non-believers. 
that, that something is coming to them that because this church has been faithful and they already lost a lot of strength fighting these battles they've already had to fight, he's going to keep them from this. That's right. They're not going to have to deal mm. with this, right? Um, and so, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll let that be there. Elder John, you want to add on to that? You, you did it. All right. Let me give you one more scripture with this. Let me give you one more scripture for this because I, I want to I just always prove our point. Let's go to 2 Peter 3, 8. And the reason why I want to read this, let me, let me tell you why I want to read this. Because people, people have been saying, all right, back in Revelation, right, Revelation 3, he says uh, in verse 10, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's read verse 11. In verse 11 reads, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one would take away your crown. Look, Elder John, he says, I'm coming soon. And since I can remember, my great-grandmama said he's coming soon. Mm -hmm. And then her mama said he's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. For every generation, he's coming soon. Yes. Right? But I think that's relevant for us because I think we're living in the last of the last days. Now, I want to read this in, in 2 Peter real quick because I want you to understand something. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Look what it says. He says, but, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. Right? So think about it. It's been 2,000 years since Christ has been crucified and raised from the dead. That's right. So to God, it's only been two days. So coming soon, think about that. And God, like, think about this. If I said next week, I'm about to... Um, Put a million dollars in your bank account. I mean, that's happening soon. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Bless God. <laughs> One day I'm going to say that too. Amen. I believe God for that. Right? Um, but think about that. In seven days, you're like, oh, that's a quick turnaround mm -hmm. for me to receive something. But it, so think about how you think about a week or a couple days. If, if I say I'm going to mail you something, you get it in two days, you're like, oh, man, that's a quick turnaround. But that could be thousands of years to us. Two days. It's been a thousand years, but God says, according to Peter, that's only two days to God. Wow. Amen. Mm. All right, Jesus, let's keep going. Right, we are picking up in verse 12. Wow. All who are <laughs> victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Can, can I? Can I? Please go. Okay. Uh, Isaiah chapter 62, and read verses 1 through 4. And, and so just pay close attention. He says, I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. God, Jesus takes ownership. He says, my God, my God, my God. And I will also write on them. My new name. Verse in Isaiah chapter 62, verse 1 through 4 says, Because I love Zion, I will not keep still. Because my heart yearns for Jerusalem, I cannot remain silent. I will, I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness. World leaders will be blinded by your glory. And you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. 
a splendid crown in the hand of God. Uh, Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord's delight is in you and you will claim and, and will claim you as his bride. See, as we go a little bit deeper into this, this picture, you're going to see this talk about this bride and how God, or, um, uh, how God is going to dress New Jerusalem up. So I just wanted to bring that out. Amen. And let me just add something to the first, the first part of that scripture that you read, Deaconess. You said, um, verse 12, he who overcomes, right? Again, we see this overcoming again. He says, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Understand what a pillar is. A pillar is a permanent part of the structure. Think about this. If, if, if you're in a house, I can knock down walls, but I can't mess with the pillars because it holds the structure up. Mm -hmm. And so understand, he's saying, I will make you a pillar, a permanent part of the structure. You will have a permanent place in the presence of God if you can overcome. Amen. Let's keep rolling. Amen. Remember, if you have any comments, questions, please put them in the chat, and we will get to them at the end of this chapter. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. We are picking up in verse 14. Everybody, here we go. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out from my mouth. All right, let's pause no, there. Going to take that one. Go all right, it. all right, thank you, brother. I appreciate it, brother, because you know I like this one. So, so, so here, here, here's the thing, the misconception we've we read the scripture. Well, most people preach this, they preach hot or cold meaning I wish you will be in the church or out the church. Lukewarm means you're kind of in the middle. You got one foot in and one foot out, and that's misinterpreted. That's not what the scripture means. Come on. Understand what happens, what this church received their water from the hot springs five miles away from where they live. Okay? And so they are, again, Jesus is referring to something they can relate to. Because they received their water from the hot springs five miles away, by the time the water got to them, it was lukewarm, which means it was now useless. They couldn't you see hot water had a purpose. Cold water had a purpose, but lukewarm water was useless. And so what the scripture is saying is I would rather you be useful, whether you're hot or cold, be useful. Being lukewarm means you're useless and I can't use you. And listen, they actually they couldn't they could not ingest, they could not drink this lukewarm water because it would make their stomachs, it would mess with their stomachs. Okay, because it came from the hot springs. And when it came from the hot springs, it, by the time it settled, it had all this other stuff in there. It would make their stomach, because of it, the travel line, it would make their summon. And so Jesus says, I will spit you out of my mouth. So this is what I love about Jesus. He said, I'm not going to take your usefulness, your uselessness. I'm not going to ingest your uselessness. You're not going to make me like you. Mm. <laughs> God, please. So, so, so understand what, what, what he's saying here, he's not saying, I would rather you be in a church or be out of church. This is a church. What he's saying to them, I would rather you be useful. And you understand, this church, when we talk about the, um, the picture of the church, like we talk about, can we see ourselves in the church? 
I believe if there's a dis- if these churches are representing a dispensation of time, I believe this is the church of the time we're living in now. Because this church is the wealthy church, mm-hmm. but they're full of pride and they're useless. All right? Uh, they, 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 they are, let, let's, let's keep reading. I'm sorry. Let's go to 17 Deacons. You say I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now, now think about that. Listen how they look at themselves. I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I don't need for anything. Think about this. We live in the, we live in the dispensation of the prosperity church. We have mega ministries. We have churches who have $50 million budgets. Right? So because of that, you know, we live in a church where people say, I don't need nothing, man. We got it going on. What, what do I need? I got money. I got wealth. But look how God views them. It's funny how people view themselves as how God views them. He says, um, well, when I see you, I see that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. But yet they got money, but they're poor. Okay? Um, and, and understand what that, what that means. Um, historically, I'm going to tell you what happened. This church was so wealthy that um, there was an earthquake that took place in 60 mm-hmm. A.D. And it destroyed the entire city. And Rome came and said, hey, we're going to help give you some relief. They said, we don't need your money. And they, this, this city and this church got famous because they had black wool. And that was in high mm-hmm. demand. So they had black wool, so that's how they gained a lot of their wealth. And they also had eye treatments. So they were known for their, um, um, their, their medical advancement. And so they, they gained a lot of wealth because they had all these things going on. But yet when God sees them, he sees them as being um, wretched, miserable, blind, poor, and naked. Now, Pastor, a, a lot of folks have used that scripture and, and, and help, help, help us or help, help everyone um, understand this better. Because a lot of folks have used that scripture to say, that riches are wrong in the kingdom as well. Because right, there's always because the our problem is just like this church is that we don't know how to be balanced. We either we either all the way, you know what I mean? We right. want to be all the way broke, which <laughs> you know, like like they preach this. You want right. to be all the way broke, or you want to be filthy, filthy rich with no conscience, conscience, right? So so um, help help us help help folks out there or help us to understand that better. Like What's the balance? Where's the balance in this? Okay, the balance is another scripture that people misquote. People would say this, and this is wrongly quoted. They'll say, money is the root of all evil. That's right. No, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, right? So that means when I make money my God, then I have a problem. You guys look at the scripture about, about the rich young ruler, right? He was unwilling to sell anything. He was unwilling to give up anything. And so many times... That when, when, that's where the, mis- the, the unbalance takes place is when you have all this wealth and you're not willing to be a blessing. And, when, and God, listen, why would God give us the keys? He said, I wish that you would prosper. Right. Even as your soul prospers, right? So God wants us to prosper, but we have to keep it the balance that we need to make sure that we're not hoarders, that we're not, that we're not um, taking advantage of people to get wealth, that we're not being bad stewards. That's right. You see, so there, there is balance. God is not against us having wealth. This is how you're going to build this kingdom. He says, I'm going to cause men to give unto your bosom. Well, guess what? If somebody going to give me something, listen to what I was saying. He says, I have the wealth of the wicked laid up for the righteous. That's right. That, listen, there's so many scriptures I can support this with. So we have to make sure 
Listen, let me tell you this, and I, I know we're, we're, we're at time, but we're going to go over today. Just, just, just hang in with us. Give us 15 more minutes, okay? Amen, um, amen. Um, many, many years ago, um, I got offered a, a position of being a, a minister of music in, in another state. And the pastor flew me in, and, 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 and I sat down with the pastor and the assistant pastor. And the assistant pastor was a young Caucasian brother who came from wealth. His father was a, a general in the military, and they lived in Hawaii. They had all this prominence and he said um i'm i as as a preacher i'm going to take a i'm not going to take a large salary and i'm, I'm going to live a very humble life and my family going to live a very humble life because uh this is what god requires and i say it's very easy to say that because you come from wealth mm -hmm. you take a vow of poverty because you come from money i said brother i can't be a part of this ministry and the pastor <laughs> said why i said because y'all gonna go in the hood and tell black people who have never had nothing they can't have nothing that's right. And this, this ministry is not going to last. You can't tell people who, who've never had them they can't have nothing. Okay? That, especially when that's against the scripture. Right. If you take a vow of poverty, sir, that's your own preference, but that's not what God's requiring of you. And so we have to be careful being on either one of those extremes. That's right. John. Because, you know, there's the, the, the con, you know, when we read Deuteronomy 28, he says, you're blessed in the field. Bless, bless, bless. So, so we, we don't want, we don't, we, we want to make sure, sure folks understand that, that, uh, because one of the spirits, one of the characteristics of God that we read in uh, Revelations 5, 12, I believe it is, says that riches was a part, one of the characteristics of God. Listen, he has streets, streets paid with gold. That's, walk on gold. That, that, that's how that, that, that means of little, like we walk on asphalt and cement. <laughs> he says, no, I'm not putting my feet on that stuff. No, like, I mean, just think about it. But that's what I'm saying. But but we are a part of this same kingdom. So, but the problem with this church is that this church believes that their riches are their righteousness, mm -hmm. right? You know, and so you know what you know that pastor. I just love how you just you know you explain that, especially with the water, because you were saying how like it flows, and what happens is it gets it gets stuck, right? Mm -hmm. And then when it gets to the end, by the time it gets to the end, if it gets stuck or something slows down that process. It's no good for anybody. And right. that's when mosquitoes plant eggs in there. And that's why any water that's just sitting. Flies, you know. Well, oh, you know, I'm saying, like, uh, no, no comment. <laughs> Flies would just land on stuff. <laughs> right. But, but, but think about that. So, so they had a system. This, this church had a system where water should flow. It should be able to flow five miles. But what happens is things start getting built up in the piping. And it slows down the process. So if that water, so they had to clean things out so water could flow properly. Wow. So they get things cleaned up. And so, all right, let's keep moving because we'll, we'll, we'll right, see. All right, we are in verse 18. <laughs> so I advise you to buy gold from me and gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eye so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Wow, wow, wow. He said so much there. Jesus, Jesus, in a very polite way, is throwing shade. Think about this. The things that they value the most, he says, I need you to buy. Look, he says, I want you to come buy some gold from me. Right? Now, he says, I want you to buy gold from me, but... It has to be refined in a fire. He said, then you'll be rich. 
That means you're, you got to go through something. Uh, understand the, the process of gold. In order to get rid of its impurities, it must go through fire. There's no other way around it. That's right. Okay? So, so he says, you're going to have to go through, buy, buy some gold from me, and then you'll be rich. Right? Notice he didn't put a, 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 a value of how much it's going to cost. Because he's also making a comparison of what he's already offered them, his sacrifice on the cross. See, he says, then he says, also, you're naked right now. You think you got on, on, on Gucci and Prada and all that? He said, but you're naked. He says, you're naked, but if, if you allow me, buy your garments from me. Now, I've already paid for it, but I need you to come to me because I'm going to give you righteousness so you won't be naked. Now, again, I told you earlier that they were famous for their ointments, for uh, eye ointment, mm -hmm. a salve that they put on their eyes. And he says, look, get salve from me. I know y'all sell it. Y'all think y'all got it on because get it from me. So then you, maybe you'll be able to see. Because wow. right now, you all sell it, but you can't see either. And so this is what he was pulling out that for me. He says, here's the thing I love about Christ. He says, I chastise or I rebuke those that I love. That's like a good parent. You don't allow your child to go down a road of destruction. You're going to correct them. And, 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 and so correction is a This is the thing we have to understand, church. Listen, church. Correction equates to love. You know what's funny about people in the church, Elder John? Come on. They'll leave the church because they're being corrected. <laughs> it's funny. Not realize they're walking away from a loving place. Mm -hmm. They're walking away from love because they've been corrected. Look what Jesus said. He says, I rebuke and chastise. He says, he says, I do this because I love you. Okay? You got anything to add on no, that? No, no, no. All right, let's close this thing out, Deaconess. Verse 20. <laughs> Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and will share a meal and, and we will share a meal together as friends. Think about that. He's talking to the church. Why is he outside the church? He got to knock on the door. Mm. Ooh. Remember, he says, I'm the one that walks in the midst of the lampstand, right? I, I, I should be in the midst of the church. According to this, he's outside, knocking on the door. Hey, let me in. Don't ever let Jesus have to stand outside and knock on the door. The question I, I, I want to ask this church is, he says, if you hear my voice, will you recognize his voice? Wow. Will you recognize his voice? And then will you be bold enough to go to the door and say, all right, we have not allowed him in. And, and do a self-assessment and say, now we need to let Christ into this church. Let him in. Look what he wants to do. He wants to dine with you. So, you got anything to add on that, Elder John? Pastor, he says, well, I will sit down and have a meal with you as friends. As friends. I'm talking about the God of the universe. Yes, I agree. The one who spoke the world into existence says, I want to sit down and have a meal with you as a friend. This is the difference between faith in Christ and anything else. Is that, see, in some religions, you got to travel far to get to God. Wow. In this faith, God traveled far to get to you. Wow, wow. And wow. we really need to understand the love that God has for you. He says, I'm telling you this because I love you. Wow. I'm, that's it. I'm wow, sorry. Wow. That's I am a awesome. friend of God. Wow, wow, wow. Verse 21, Deaconess. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. 
Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Think about how big God's throne is. He said, you can sit with me on my throne. Think about that. You can sit with me. J- just imagine, you know, you know, like, I, I don't know if you've ever done this. Like, you, you got a boss and he has a, a nice office and you go in there and just sit in his chair. Like, <laughs> you know, like, wow, this is nice, you know. Just imagine God says, I'm going to allow you to sit on my throne with me. That means you'll sit in a place of ruleship. He believed that. If you, but again, look what it says here. He says, he who overcomes. We see a pattern of that. He who overcomes. He'll be able to do this. Uh, Pastor, I just have to just to elaborate because I think, I think we really need to understand the heart of God, the spirit of God, the heart, the heart, the heart of God. Just what you said. He says, sit on my throne with me. Sit on my throne. God created the earth and then gave it away. God created the earth, spent six days, and then gave it away. It is his character to give. It is his character to love. He did all of that and gave it away. He says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. I'm giving. All we see is give. For God so loved the world that he gave. And that's why as children, we have to model the same behavior. One of the, one of the primary characteristics of God that we must learn is the ability to give. We saw this in, with Abel, Cain and Abel. Cain had a problem with this concept of adopting, saying, okay, because the best way to look like God is to, is to operate that way. Because we say, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Give love. You know, give time. So I just, I just had to say that because our God is such a loving God that he did all of this for us. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed by that thought. Yeah, and, and understand that he is willing to give it to those who are willing to put in the time to overcome. Whatever it is, you have to overcome. Be an overcomer. If it's yourself, if it's your flesh, yeah. if it's your pride, if it's your whatever you need to overcome, be an overcomer. And listen, here's the thing. You live long enough, you'll overcome some things. That's right. Let, keep living. You, you may have to overcome some things. And for some of us, we have to overcome those things several times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But understand that God is gracious and, and his, his grace is sufficient. And understand that he wants, he wants us to be in right standing. Look what he said to all these churches we covered tonight. I know you're messing up. But if you can overcome this thing, you'll have this. You can have that. I'll give you a white robe. I'll give you a new name. I'll give you, I'm, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you that. Everything you can have access to if you're willing to overcome those things that I've highlighted. So um, this should be a time of self-reflection. Say, God... I know I haven't been perfect, but I, I want to be an overcomer. Let's walk through this, this life together. Amen. Amen. Hey, amen. So according to our, our team, we don't have any questions. Pastor, we did have one question from last week. Okay. We did get to that. Um, someone asks about um, repentance. We see repentance um, as another theme in several of the churches. What does repentance look like today? Repentance in, in a very simplistic way is make a U-turn. So look at the word repent. Re, 
repent, get back to the right place, yeah. right? Um, and so understand that it means to turn and go in the, in the, the polar opposite direction, you know, go in another direction. So repent means if I'm going this way and God says I'm not going the right way, I need to try to go back and go the other way. Mm-hmm. Get back. And most of the time, think about this. So if Elder John represents God, I'm going to stand up and probably mess up the camera. If Elder John represents God, if I'm not living a life according to what he has called me to, I'm going this way. And so in order for me to repent, I have to turn back and go back towards God. Go get back to the things that, uh, like, like he did in his church, get back to your first love. Get back to the word you first heard. Get back in church. Get back into your word. Get back to um, prayer. Get back to sowing. Get back to all those things that, that will put you in right standing with God. And so I think repentance today means to turn around and turn back towards God. Amen. Um, I, I would like to, you know, because I, I um, someone said, uh, I think we were talking to, to the gentleman, he said something that was really profound. He said, uh, and I, because we want to really understand what, how, when we, when we repent, how it works. So like when you're using your GPS, right, and, you know, you make a wrong turn. The GPS doesn't say, you idiot. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have did that. It doesn't start condemning you. You shouldn't have did that. How you, how did, it just says, turn left. It, it just leads you to that next road and says, make a U-turn. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so understanding God's spirit, that God is not here. He, he, says, he says, look, there is no condemnation in Christ. He is, not, he is not trying to make you feel bad. He just wants to make you feel right. He wants you to be in right relationship with him. And, and that's what repentance is, is, is like Pastor said. That's what it's all about. Like just, you know, making that, that slight shift sometimes. That slight shift. And for some of us, for some of us, it's just, look, Lord Jesus, I accept you in my heart. Right? And then making... Different decisions. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate that. And I, I thank you for reminding me of that, of that analogy, Elder John, because think about that. When you're in your car and you're going to uh, a place that you put in your GPS, you're depending on that GPS to direct you. But then you are in control because you're driving. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're driving. And the GPS is giving you directions, but you're messing up. Mm-hmm. You're not following directions. He says turn left. You got distracted. You listen to the radio, the kids in the back, they, act, they were asking for Chick-fil-A, and you, you got all this going on, so you get distracted, and, and the GPS just says, I'm recalculating, I'm recalculating, recalculating. Mm-hmm. and it's going to reroute you to put you back on the right path without, think about, you, you said John 3.16, right? For God's a little word that he gave his only begotten son, who shall believe him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn him, but through, the, through him the world might be saved. That's what he says. So Christ is not coming with some big stick to beat you up because you've been messing up. He says, embrace and accept my love. Accept what I did on the cross because that's for you. So He says, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Listen, it doesn't matter where you are. It's how bad you think you've gotten it. The prodigal son was in a Jewish, a Jewish man found himself in the pig pen and was able to come back to dad. Do you understand? A Jewish man 
uh, it's, it's considered that the, the, the lowest of the low is to be a monk pig. They're not even supposed to eat it. He was living with them. They're not even supposed to eat it. Found himself in a low place. But he says, oh, God, even the servants in my father's house live better than this. I'm going back home. So the message of Revelation is, listen, if you're not home, come back home. And Elder John, and I know we will with time, but I just got to say this last thing about that statement of the prodigal son. Understand that he was in a pig pen with the pigs. He got up smelling like the pigs, covered in the same slop in the dirt of the pigs. And when he gets close to home, his father was already searching for him. Think about that. When he gets home, his father embraced him smelling like a pig. With the dirt of the pig, his father still embraced him, and he told everybody in his house, go get him some shoes, because he's my son. See, servants the ones who didn't wear shoes. Come on. Go get my son some shoes, and get him a robe, and put my ring on, because I want him to know he's still my son. He ain't got to beg me for nothing. He's my son. So that's the message of the father. Come on back home. Pastor, can I just add? Come on, I got <laughs> yeah, you, son. I got to. He did not even wash his son up. No. He just covered him. He covered him. Wow. He didn't make his son take a bath. Jesus. He didn't make his son have to get right. He made him right. He put his best robe over a muddy, dirty. He said, it's wow. my son. That's my son. A muddy, dirty, smelling like swine, unclean. He takes his best robe and puts it on him. And, and, and listen, I like what you said because he didn't say, clean yourself up before you present yourself to me. He said, come to me just like you are. I'm going to embrace you. And they had a party for him. The house that he left, they threw him a party when they came. All right. Oh, I, we, we can stay here all night. I'm sorry. But, I'm sorry. Okay. But, but, that, but that, that, that is the message, Elder John. That is the message. And again, we see this grace interwoven throughout all this. That I know you messed up, but if you can overcome, here's your blessing. Amen. Thank you all. I hope you all enjoyed tonight's Bible study as much as I enjoyed um, Bible study. And I'll turn it back over to you, Pastor. Amen. So again, people of God, we thank God for you. Next week, we're going to try to get as far as we can get. We'll definitely be in Chapter 4 because we just finished <laughs> Chapter 3. I don't know how much further we're going to get beyond that. But um, we actually can stay con um, connected to us and stay connected to the study. Um, we all actually ask you to sow tonight. If, if you have a seed, we ask you to sow. We have three ways you can sow. You can sow through GiveLify, eBless, or the Square Link. You can sow a seed into this word. If this word bless you, amen, you can sow a seed. Amen. Now, understand also, um, this coming Sunday, hey, I'm, I'm back in the pulpit, and I, I promise you I got a word that's going to be life-changing. Amen. Um, and we're going to talk about the real you. Amen. The real you. Amen. Um, well, let's just close out with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your word. We thank you for your people who have logged in. Father, we ask you will just illuminate your word in their hearts and their minds and their spirit. They may continue to walk in the grace that you have clearly laid out for your church. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. I pray for everyone involved with this. Elder John, Deaconess Katrina, all of our team who are supporting us, all of our partners and friends and family who are watching, I pray that God would just overshadow you with blessing, peace, joy, and love. 
And Father, again, we just give your name all the glory, honor, and praise, because you are God and God alone. And it's in Jesus' name the people of God said amen. Salvation. Oh, amen. Salvation. Listen, if, if you need salvation, you maybe watch this and say, hey, pastor, I listen to you both, and um, I, I need this Jesus that you all talked about. This grace and this love you've been talking about, we, I need that. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer for me real quick, okay? It don't take all night to get this thing done. All we need is a confession with your, with your mouth and a belief in your heart. Amen. Here, I want you to pray this prayer. Say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you as a sinner, asking that you would uh, uh, come into my heart. I open my heart and to you. I open my life to you, God. And I realize I am a sinner and I need salvation. So, Jesus, today, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And I give you my life for the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. It's that simple. If you pray that prayer, guess what? Today is your birthday. It's the day that you were born again. And we want you to reach out to us and let us know that you prayed that prayer so we can connect you to a good Bible teaching church. Amen. And we want you to walk this, this faith walk and so that you can be uh, a part of the, the, the folk that will be the number that can't be counted. We thank God for you all. Thank you for logging in. And listen, we'll see you on Sunday morning. Amen at 11 a.m. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Raymond Talk Podcast. Hope you join us next time.